morning, everybody. Beautiful day, beautiful Sunday. Um, thanks for being here. Lovely to have you here uh, together. Um, have you ever wondered what it would be like to be used by God? Maybe, maybe that's you know, your, your greatest desire to be used by God, to be, to be that kind of uh, character that can be uh, working for him, or maybe a bit like me, you kind of it could be your worst nightmare to think that God could actually uh, use you in a, in, in a profound way like he did with Stephen. Um, Stephen's life is, 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 is described as quite a short one, in a sense. He had a very similar um, experience to, 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 to Jesus. In a, in a way, he was called up under false charges in front of the Sanhedrin, and um, both like Jesus, he had um, as much of an impact, or perhaps even more of an impact in his death than he did actually in his life. In the Old Testament, we hear um, about the Holy Spirit coming on particular people at particular times for particular tasks. If any of you have been on Alpha course, that's, that's one of the kind of uh, uh, the straps from, for, from that course when it describes how, how God's worked in, in, in history. And so the Old Testament is full of these characters where God selected them, he's anointed them, the Holy Spirit has come upon them, and they've gone and done, done certain things, done tasks with God, you know, and, and, and changed the world around them. And Stephen was uh, no different, in a sense, because in uh, chapter 6, just before uh, chapter 7, which is where the passage is from today, um, we hear about um, Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And that's how he was selected. He was selected uh, as one of the um, seven who were going to run the food bank for the first, first century uh, Jews and uh, Christians in, in, the, in the Jewish community. And um, it doesn't sound like a very glamorous task, does it, to be a, a food bank manager? But this, this was what Stephen had been appointed to do. He, he'd been selected along with uh, his little team to go out and distribute the food amongst the, um, the people that were in need of that, the widows and the other kind of uh, uh, people in the church who, were, who needed to have the food distributed. And um, what I'm going to talk to you about today is not just the confusion and the kind of like the end of that story where he's hauled up and stoned to death, which is obviously incredibly horrific. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the, 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 the wider context of what Stephen was doing and what he was trying to tell them about, trying to talk to the guys in the Sanhedrin about. And Stephen was embarked on this, this, this prophetic journey. I've called it the prophet's path. His journey was, was replicating what others had done before him in being used by God. So what is this prophet's path? What is this journey that um, Stephen embarked on? And, and, and completed, and, and what is it to us uh, now in our lives? Well, the first stage on this prophet's path, which he describes in the characters from the Old Testament, is to be prepared. We hear about how these specific people were anointed, they had the Holy Spirit upon them, God, God gave them that gift, and they made themselves available. They made themselves available to what God was going to be able to do through them. In the Old Testament, um, Stephen talks about Abraham, and in verse 3 he says this, he says, Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. And so he left. 
Abraham did what God had asked him to do. He made himself available. He didn't know what it was going to lead to. And we hear exactly the same thing. Well, we have, hear very similar things uh, in the stories uh, and, and, and the narratives about uh, both Joseph and Moses, the two other characters that Stephen focuses on. They just made themselves available. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and made themselves available. And that's what Stephen did as well. He was filled by the Holy Spirit. He was a man of faith. And when they came for volunteers on, on who was actually going to run the food bank, who was going to do this practical task, you know, he put his hand up. He volunteered. So I'll do that. That's, that's, you know, I can do that. That's fine. I'm willing to do that. He made himself available. And the second stage on the prophet's path, I think, is this um, being active and expecting the unexpected. It's never difficult, sorry, never easy to know what, what God's going to do with you when, you when you've kind of set yourself, made yourself available. It can lead to some very unexpected um, experiences. Now, if, if you or I are thinking about, well, how do I become a prophet? What's, 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 what's the, what, what do I need to do to be used by God? You know, surely I need to go and study for, you know, five years, ten years in some kind of prophet school. I need to sit down, I need to, you know, really work hard at this, I need to get trained up, I need to kind of like go for, um, there's no disrespect to ordained uh, ministry <laughs> at all, but um, God seems to have a different way of doing things. He quite often just gets people to do it straight away. He, he kind of like, he's on the job training scheme. He, he, he really kind of like looks for practical experience in a lot of this prophetic work. He just likes people to get stuck in. And he takes people in really uh, you know, unqualified kind of circumstances and uses them for, th for things that really they would have no idea that they could ever tackle. I mean, the, the, the prophets that um, Stephen kind of talks about, he's talking about Abraham. Now, Abraham uh, was a man who, who was getting on in years. He was quite old at the time. And, and what happened was God said to him, I'm going to make you the father of all these nations, and, you know, of, of, of this, this holy prophetic nation. And, and it's, it's an incredible promise. Abraham. Because the problem with Abraham was he didn't have any children. He had no children, so how could he do this? It was, it was impossible in his mind, probably, to think about how he could become um, or fulfill what God had been promising. But he did. And Joseph, now Joseph was, um, uh, ended up ruling over Egypt, one of the most important kingdoms or, or kind of you know, dynasties in, in, in the whole of the civilized world. And, and yet, when Joseph was called, when he was, when he was uh, you know, when God was actually looking to him, he was in prison. He was the least likely person to be taken in from that position and, and, and end up ruling over Egypt. He was in prison for a charge that he, we all know he didn't commit. But his situation and his circumstance was completely at odds with what God was uh, going to do with him. And in Moses as well, we hear about Moses' uh, story. It's an incredible story. And um, when he meets God in the, in, the, in, in, in the flaming bush, which is something that Stephen talks about, you know, he was the most unlikely character to, to rescue the Israelites from Egypt. He was in exile himself. He'd been forced out. He'd committed murder. He, he was somebody that, you know, they would have looked on and thought, this is, this is not either, a, you know, an Israelite, and it's not, he, he's, he's, not, he's not part of the aristocracy in, in, in Egypt anymore. But he did. He managed to get there with God's help, and um, he, 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 he fulfilled that mission 
very unlikely. So um, in the passage when Stephen is, uh, is working, we, we hear as well that in chapter 6, it says, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. That wasn't his job description. He was a food bank manager. But God used him. He was doing these signs and wonders. He was out on the streets. He was working with the widows. He was preaching the gospel. And that's when he got into trouble. Our circumstances do not dictate our ability to be used by God. None of those characters were in a circumstance which they were ideally suited to, to, to being uh, fulfilling the task that God had set them. But with God's help, they did. So that's the second stage of the prophetic path. Expect the unexpected. Be active. And the third stage, I think, is be resilient and expect opposition. And Stephen uses the stories from uh, the past prophets, from the history of Israel, to show that God, God's message, God's prophecy, his word, his, 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 his message is always opposed it's never easy for a prophet to speak truth. And when Joseph recounted his dreams to his brothers, Stephen says, because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. Didn't get a good response. I don't think it's particularly surprising from what he was saying, but uh, he was speaking his dreams. And Moses' uh, story as well, which Stephen recounts, he says, Moses thought... Uh, thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them. That's what he hoped. Moses hoped that they would all recognize that he was being sent by God, but, but they did not. And later, it says, but our ancestors refused to obey him. That's Moses. Instead, they rejected him and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. Moses did not have an easy time of it, being a prophet. In fact, nobody did. None of the prophets really had an easy time. And Stephen makes the direct comparison with what the Old Testament prophets went through and how they had treated Jesus. Very recently, the same people that he was on trial with, the same characters that were arrayed around him, were the same people that had condemned Jesus to death. He knew that would annoy them. I mean, I think, I think there was a realization that speaking that truth into the people that had uh, condemned uh, an innocent man, he knew that that would test it. But he was bold and he was resilient against it. This is what Stephen actually said to Sanhedrin when he was there. He said, you stiff-necked people, we heard it just earlier, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. Just like all the other characters that oppose the prophets, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. That's Jesus. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. Be prepared to be opposed. The third stage of, uh, on the path of the prophet. And the fourth stage comes beyond that. It's about being humble and seeing God's big picture because um, 
These little episodes in, in, in the history of Israel that Stephen recounts, even Stephen's own little life, relatively small as it was, it's part of a big picture, part of a much bigger storyline. We heard from last term that we were talking about the kingdom of God, that narrative of how um, the kingdom is is coming about, is being established. We talk about the kingdom, bring the kingdom here as it is in heaven, God's kingdom. So God's big picture is really the important one. We know that our relationships are fractured with God due to the sin. And God uses these individuals, he uses these prophets for specific tasks on the journey towards restoring that kingdom, restoring our relationship. And of course, ultimately, the perfect prophet, Jesus, the word, the speech, the, the, the actual kind of perfect speech of God, fulfills that on the cross. And Stephen, Stephen, plays on the, Stephen works this big picture into his own um, story in front of the Sanhedrin. He, um, he tells this narrative between kind of Abraham and Solomon rebuilding the temple. And of course, the whole narrative, which is the promise that God makes Abraham at the very start, saying this is going to be, a, you're going to be a holy priesthood. This is, this is the place in Jerusalem. I'm going to establish a nation, your bloodline. And he tells the story about how that narrative comes about. He goes through Joseph and Moses coming back from exile. The building of the temple It's a long picture. In verse 6, it says this, God spoke to him in this way, for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. And afterwards they will come out of that country and worship me in this place. This place. Stephen was near that place. That was the promise that had been given to, to Abraham and by God. But it was Solomon, in verse 47 we hear this, but it was Solomon who built a house for him. So he told this whole story about how God was using these individuals, these prophets, and how they'd all been oppressed and all been opposed by the people around them. And the temple had been built. Later, of course, it got destroyed and rebuilt. But this, this is critical to, 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 to why people will oppose to him. And, and John pointed this out earlier, is that actually um, the temple was what they had said that Stephen had been preaching against. He said how the temple was going to be torn down. It's the same, same accusation that was against Jesus as well, this physical building being torn down and rebuilt in three days. Jesus explained it, of course. He said that it was actually his body that was going to be rebuilt. The temple was his body. But they were so precious about this physical thing. They saw the history of Israel, all the way from Abraham, all the way to Solomon building the temple, and from where they were then. They felt that that was it. That was the completeness of the message. Of course, it wasn't. We know that. And that's what Stephen was telling them. Actually, Jesus was the fulfillment of all of that narrative. And Stephen was brought to the Sanhedrin. He was on the prophet's path. 
He'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. We hear that. We know that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He'd made himself available. He volunteered to be the food bank manager. He'd experienced the unexpected. Suddenly God gave him all this opportunity to actually minister to people in the community. And he'd faced opposition because he was doing God's work. He was speaking the truth. And he was about to take that fourth step towards achieving a place in God's bigger picture. Now, initially, when we hear about the end of Jesus, uh, Stephen's life, it, it seems to be complete failure. Complete fla- failure of all that Stephen was doing. We, we know that from, from, from the writing in Acts that the church had been growing incredibly. You know, the, the boldness and the preaching that the disciples and the apostles had been making to the people grew in huge numbers. They saw these signs and wonders. They saw they saw. The, 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 the fruits of the, the kingdom coming, and, and, and they flocked towards it. And then this happens. Because of the jealousy of the, of the people in the Sanhedrin, because of their, their, their feelings towards what had been preached and how, how, how it was all being taken out of their control, they brought him up, Stephen, who was the most visible kind of administrator out there on the streets, helping people, they brought him up, they thought, right, this is it, we can nip this in the bud again. We can bring some witnesses, we can, we can accuse him of some stuff. We'll have it. And of course, even faster than Jesus' death, they didn't even bother to send him to, to trial. They didn't bother to send him to, to the Roman governors and, and, and all that. They just, he got taken away and stoned. Most appalling death. They must have delighted in that because it's scattered. We hear in, 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 in chapter 8, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. We hear how, how on the face of it they were completely successful. There was confusion, fear. We see a lot of that around us, don't we? Now, even this last week, you know, in Texas, confusion, fear, Anger. There's a lot of that out there. What's God doing? What's the bigger picture? How can he bring out good things from that situation? How can he bring out good things out of any of these desperate situations? But then in chapter 8, we start to hear about something else. There's a character called Philip. And again, John's pointed out that it's the same Philip. Uh, who in chapter 6 was one of the uh, six, six members of the team, along with Stephen. The food bank team, the volunteers, the guys that decided, yeah, I can serve in that way, Philip. And what he did was he, um, he took the opportunity. They'd broken it down, they destroyed the organization that he'd, he'd been a part of, scattered the the rest of the believers in Jerusalem. And Samaria was, was a part of the country um, which had this rather backward feel. You've all heard about the Good Samaritan, the guy that's, you know, that helps, helps somebody out even though he was an ostracized. The Samar- Samaritans were not well thought of in Jerusalem. They obviously 
had, had gone their own way and, and, and nobody respected that. But because Samaria was, was out of the jurisdiction of the, um, of the Jewish authorities in Jerusalem, Philip went there. He went there and he started preaching. Started spreading the word. Not something that's, you know, I don't know who, who, who told him to do that. Hopefully, it was, I assume it was God. <laughs> but he went out there and he did what he felt was right, what he felt called to do, and he spread the word. And had a profound impact on the church at the time. We hear this in, chapter, uh, in verse 14 in chapter 8. It says this, when, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, by Philip, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. It forced the core disciples to address the need that was there. Instead of just creating this megachurch in Jerusalem, which is, by all intents seems to be a, been the direction of the church at that time, they're just gathering everybody in Jerusalem, suddenly, hammer blow, everybody's scattered. And they see, actually, you know, even the Gentiles, or even the Samaritans, even these people that aren't in the Jewish, Jewish faith, the core Jewish faith, they're, they're, they're receiving Jesus. It challenges people, challenged Peter and John to go out and preach to them. Gave them the Holy Spirit. They, they, they preached the Holy Spirit. And then what uh, Philip, Philip does, he doesn't rest on that, on that success that he'd managed to kind of spread, spread the gospel north. He went actually south as well. He was on a tour. And on, when he, on his tour, when he was down south, he came across a character who um, was one of the most unlikely kind of characters to meet on a, on a journey. It was the um, Ethiopian chancellor the treasurer to, to the Ethiopian kingdom. And we hear about how, how this eunuch was, um, was, was trying to understand the scripture. Not sure why he was there. He's obviously a long way from, from home, but maybe he, he was on a tour. I don't know. Maybe he was on a holiday. Who can say what he was doing out in that part of the world? But he, he'd heard the stories. He'd heard the history, maybe. And he was intrigued to find out what that was. And so when he came into contact with Philip, chance meeting, but one by the Holy Spirit, I'm sure. Philip explains it to him. And suddenly, again, another huge opportunity to spread the gospel out south this time is created. It was God's big picture. So what was happened, what had happened was, was the church, which had been kind of like fostered in, in, in Jerusalem, suddenly got fractured, thrown apart, and spread. An evangelical movement started. And of course, the other, the other consequence uh, was that this character Saul starts to appear. And we all know parts of Saul's story. He was there. He witnessed what happened to Stephen. And unfortunately, not immediately, of course, he, he started to persecute and doing exactly what, what was counter to, to, to Jesus's uh, mission. We thought it was, but it was made into a uh, part of the story which was ultimately redeemed. The other last thing that I think Jesus' lasting legacy is this um, model of Christian martyrdom. You know, I, think, I think there's a lot of models that misrepresent giving one's life. But martyrdom in Christian, in Christian context and, and what Stevens demonstrated is something very sacrificial. 
And I think, you know, we can all learn a lot from that, reflect on that. But ultimately, it wasn't in vain. His martyrdom, his, his death, like Jesus's, fulfilled a higher, a much more important cause. So I'd like to conclude with um, a challenge. And I'm, I'm sure that you, like me, are kind of challenged by Stephen and his example. I don't think we should be too, too discouraged by it. Even though martyrdom, it's not likely to be something that God's going to ask us for. Although there are people around the world that, uh, obviously, a lot of people that are faced with that in the Christian communities in Nigeria and other, other pieces of, uh, of land. But what I want us to do this morning is I just want to appreciate how we can join the prophet's path and also how we can support others on that prophet's path. We're not all called to be prophets, we heard that, but actually we can learn from this and we can identify with it. And I challenge you to think about where you actually are at the moment. Are you, am I, at stage one on that prophet's path where we're trying to be prepared? Perhaps we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what we hear. Making ourselves available. So critical. Putting our hands up when we're asked. Maybe you identify with being part of the stage two where we're active. But perhaps we're not prepared for the unexpected. Perhaps we think we know where we're going to be going. What Jesus or what God is asking us to do, and, and, and we need to be more prepared to listen and prepare for the unexpected. Like Philip, maybe we need to go somewhere else, go to a place that we haven't expected to be. And then the third stage, which you might identify with, is that you might feel that you need to be resilient. You're being opposed, you need to be encouraged. And if that's you, I, I, I pray that you know, you'll come and be with us in prayer after the service or after, after, the, after the talk. Because we hear from the stories, from the narratives, through the prophets in, the, in, the, in history, that yes, they faced huge opposition, but God gave them what they needed to succeed, even if it didn't look like success initially. Because that comes to the last stage, the last stage which is being part of God's big picture and being humble, not discouraged if the fruits are not immediately forthcoming. They look like they're being deferred. And I'm sure if we reflect on it, we've all seen people on that prophetic path, on the prophet's path. We thought, gosh, they've really touched. You know, we read books about them. We see them in our community, I remember. There's characters here in this church, I think. We all know that they've been on the prophet's path. I'm going to end with a prayer. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the example given by Stephen and others in how to respond to your call. Set us out on the path you have set before us and boldly testify in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. Help us to journey the prophet's path and support others in doing so. Lord, we reflect now on where we are on our journey 
and our greatest challenge. That's being prepared, being filled with the Holy Spirit, making ourselves available. Or maybe being active, listening. Or maybe being resilient as we face opposition. Lord, in all things, help us to be humble, knowing that we are part of your big picture. Lord, make us full of faith and of the Holy Spirit as you did Stephen so that we can undertake the roles assigned to us. In the name of Jesus, the word and perfect prophet, we pray. Amen.